Hello, good evening, and welcome to an emergency episode of The Game Is About Glory to discuss Nuno's sacking and the potential appointment of Antonio Conte as the next manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and sitting alongside me are Milo, Gareth and Ricky. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi, Steph. Yes, I've got my officious voice on because uh, here we are, Monday night, probably weren't expecting to be doing this, so we're flying by the seat of our pants to get this out to you as quickly as possible. Thus, detailed preparation high production values, and our usual requisite common sense will go completely out the window. Well, maybe not the last bit. We'll do our best there. Uh, our regular podcast will also be out later this week. It was recorded on Sunday night, uh, but hey, let's take a couple of days before we get that one to you, yeah? This is the big news right now. This is the important thing to address, and it doesn't feel that long ago since we were doing one of these for Mourinho, really. Um, let's just say that Nuno's reign has never really got going. Um, some of that must come down to him clearly being a stopgap from the beginning. That can't have made his job any easier. And we should also note that, you know, he was manager of the month for August. Let's not forget that. Um, but in the end, he departed after only four months and 17 matches in charge. He won nine, he drew one, and he lost seven in all competitions. So, okay, brass tacks, chaps, how do we feel about Nuno going? I'm going to start with you, Milo. I think it was the right decision. I feel for the guy because I think he was on to a loser from the start. He's a, he's a nice guy. I think he's an okay coach, um, but he was the wrong fit for us. And um, kind of the nature of him coming in being, you know, so low down the the list and you know, the short ter- the shortness of his contract and it being leaked that um, we wouldn't need to play any compensation if he didn't make top six at the end of the season, all of that kind of stuff, then it just undermined his position. Um, on top of that, you know, the football wasn't what we were promised and we've had some really shocking performances under him. So I think uh, there was no sign of it getting any better. And so, I, th- I th- yeah, I think it was necessary. I think we needed to, needed to, to move quickly because at the moment, top four is still potentially on. We're in the last eight of the League Cup. And um, with the international break after this weekend's games, it seems like the, you know, it was the time to do it if, if the new guy was going to get you know, have a chance. Uh, yeah, Ricky, I mean, uh, that's essentially what I was going to ask you is, you know, do you think it was the right time to sack him right now, this moment in time? Um, given the sort of cauldron, if you look at Tottenham specifically, given the cauldron of the club and coupled with the toxic mega mega lane on Saturday it it did feel that things were irretrievable and I feel for Nuno because he is a nice bloke I think I don't know if I mean was he advised to take the job was it all his own decision because I think you could say mentally was he in a good headspace when he, he came into our club he'd left walls he'd had his he'd had his issues with Covid and missing his family and stuff like that so I don't know whether it was a kind of a job that was a bigger job for him, but at the wrong time for him. So I don't know if that played on his mind. And maybe from the player's point of view, maybe I'm not sure if they they were listening to him or they weren't taking on board his ideas. And he seemed quite, and if they weren't, he seemed quite lost by that, in, especially in recent games. Yeah, I mean, Gareth, let's look at this uh, slightly wider perspective, perhaps. And let's also throw in um, some facts here that, you know, when Nuno was hired, he was not able to bring his entire backroom staff. Um, Milo was telling us yesterday that he had read that one of the reasons that he didn't end up at Everton or Palace was because they wouldn't let him bring all his background staff with him. Um, And he ended up, you know, managing us without them anyway. So hamstrung at that point. But, you know, I want to ask you, you know, sacking a manager after such a short period of time must surely mean we need to ask questions of those who have appointed him. Um, You know, 
Paratici is the director of football. We spoke about this at length uh, on the pod yesterday that hopefully people will hear some of uh, next week, uh, where we felt that Paratici had to establish himself as the voice of the football club. But of course, Daniel Levy hired Paratici. So the question for you, Gareth, is how badly have both these men messed up with the appointment of Nuno in the first place? For me, Nuno wasn't 100% of the problem, but he was very quickly proved to be 0% of the solution. And there's a lot of mitigation for him. And I think there's a lot of mitigation for Paratici as well. And if I I think back to the summer, I'm trying to work out in my mind the chronology of it, because Paratici was never part of the process from the start, was he? So if we think back to when Frank Arneson was appointed and probably he's been our most successful director of football, he came in right at the start of summer 2004. Um, well, I, 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 I say that Paul Santini was perhaps parachuted in on top of him um but Paratici he wasn't in front of the game so he didn't have he didn't he wasn't in charge or in control of the decision making throughout so I think both he and um Nuno have slightly been the victims of some very muddled thinking I mean earlier on in this summer it it, it felt as if the club was deciding that with Steve Hitchinson they didn't actually need a director of football and it was only when the Pochettino talks broke down that Paratici was mentioned and then and then appointed so I think you take it this all the way back to what April the 18th or 19th when when Levy decided that, that Mourinho had to go and it's been it's been muddled thinking really for six months since then um, so I don't think this one is all on Paratici either I think he was dealt uh, a bad hand he was effectively told that any manager you appoint needs to be out of work at the moment and any manager out of work is going to be out of work for a reason and you know they weren't prepared to pay anyone out of a contract to, to get them there and you then had this muddled thinking where it's never, I don't think any of us are convinced that Levy and Paratici have been on the same page in terms of what they expect from the team and what they expect from the, on the pitch. And this has all reared its ugly head and culminated to create something of a perfect storm where you've ended up sacking a manager 124 days after appointing him, having gone best part of three months without a manager to get him in the first place. So it's, um, what did we, we, we came across a phrase, something about clusterfuck of, um, of muddled thinking. Clusterfuck apocalypse. That was it. I think that I think that was the title of the podcast. Either the one when you know was appointed, or the it one was. just before it. And just before, it, yeah. Hopefully, that's the end of that chapter now. But it's been it's been a, it's been perpetual since yeah. um, since Mourinho was sacked on the nineteenth of April. I, I can help you with the timing. So it was roughly seven weeks between Mourinho being sacked and Paratici coming in, um, and then it uh, then it was two weeks after he came in that Nuno was appointed. And that was a matter of days before preseason training started. So I think I think we we're probably pretty desperate by that point. And uh, actually, we should be clear actually that Paratici didn't officially join us until the beginning of July. Although it was clearly that he was working from his um, his uh, Italian hotel room for for those few weeks before before he started. So yeah, I think it was um, it was um, an emergency. You know, it was a, a, a panic appointment at that point. You know, I think. One thing we would all agree on is, and we've said this consistently on this pod, whatever happens, now whatever's happened with Nuno, he will always have our undying respect for stepping into a clusterfuck apocalypse, as we've remembered it, and giving it some dignity, calming the noise around the club at that point, bringing a sense of calm to the situation, and and, and really sort of being a very, very uh, decent chap, it seemed. You know, never... Never put through anyone under the bus. Always 
you know, trying to take what you would say the most diplomatic uh, perspective on, I think, probably some pretty obvious issues at the club at times, um, especially with regards to Harry Kane. I don't think, can't think of any manager who would have dealt with that situation as calmly and respectfully as he did. So uh, am I right in saying, guys, that, you know, performance, look, he was the wrong man for the job. Whether he was hamstrung in doing that job, we will never know. But are we right in saying that we do still thank him for what he did do and for the presence he did bring at a time when we were trying to detoxify from a horror show? Um, I, I had a listen back to our emergency pod we did when Nuno was appointed earlier on today just to kind of check about kind of how he did against, you know, the criteria we set at the time. And I think what we'd hoped was that um, he'd heal the rift um, amongst the fans which I don't think he's. I don't think he did, and obviously it was absolutely horrendous on on Saturday in terms of the atmosphere at the stadium. Uh, we thought that we hoped that um, he would unite the team, and I don't think he managed to do that. I think if you look at the sides, um, there's clearly players who weren't playing for him, and it was really disjointed. Um, but we also we also thought that he was a nice bloke, and that um, he would bring a kind of quiet you know, dignity or decency to to the club and to the job which i think he did do um so you know i think we were quite i don't think you know, none of us wanted him we were a bit underwhelmed by the appointment but we were kind of quietly optimistic back 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 in july um but that you know clearly hasn't delivered on that gareth ricky i want to bring you in on two other things here uh, i want to look at the for finally possibly for perspective here on what we might feel cooked his goose if you will uh, and i'm going to isolate two moments that i think probably did and each of you take one of them is it possible that leaving a first 11 behind was the first part of the goose being cooked especially when it didn't actually yield a positive result with terms in terms of squad harmony and maybe losing some players and then we do have to look at the 56th minute substitution uh, that occurred in the Man United game whether tactically astute or not I don't know and I'm not really concerned but the reaction he got to that knowing how our chairman reacts to these moments himself in the moment Having heard the stadium boo as loudly as it did at that point, do we consider that maybe the, the, these are the moments when Nuno's goose was cooked? Um, uh, Gareth, Ricky, whichever one of you wants to take one of those points on, kick us off here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually think it happened earlier than that. I think it was the performance at Arsenal and I think it was his comments afterwards when he said he got it wrong was the problem. And I think that Levy would consider that to be weak leadership. Not necessarily what I think, but I think that was how it was construed. And I think he was on to a losing streak from, from then. Bear in mind, that was the third of three pretty abysmal league performances that came one after the other. I mean, the leaving the 11 players behind in um, when we travelled to Arnhem, I think we've perhaps all discussed over the last few years that we've conceived merit in doing that, particularly in the Conference League. I mean, the problem was that we, of course, ended up losing that game and then ended up losing at West Ham. I think if we'd won either of those games, um, there would have been far more merit in doing it. But yeah, the just the, 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 the visceral anger that came out in the stadium, which you said, when Lucas Moore was, was brought off. And I think we anyone, any Spurs time would have looked at themselves when they knew that the sub was coming on. And I think Lucas Moura would have been about the last of the attack 
attacking players that you would have thought he was the only bright spark in the team that day. And for, for so many fans to turn on a manager who'd only been there for, what, three months at that time, I think it spoke volumes. I, I, I think Alistair Golds tweeted today as well that Paratici apparently got out of his seat as soon as United scored the second goal and stormed out. And you know, presumably he was straight on the phone to Italy at that point as well. Um, so if, if that was going on in the stadium, I think that was the atmosphere. I, I think the writing was on the wall, probably from before that, but that was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, I think... There were moments where we, even we said ourselves that they were like green, green shoots, but even they soon wilted. I mean, as Gareth alluded to, the, lose, the, the losing of the derby, uh, the London derbies, it's never going to go down well. Um, we had some moments of being optimistic. He changed the formation where we thought, yeah, that looks like a good move. And then that's, and he had a chance to play a consistent lineup for a while. And even then, it was just the sheer failing, uh, it was, it was a sheer failing in the final, well, in the middle and the final third of the pitch. It just looked like we were never going anywhere. We were so hesitant. No player had built anywhere. I think, I think he said very early on. Do you remember when he said, when Nuno himself said about building those, uh, those relationships between players? And I mean, he said that himself. And that almost seems like a massive failure in itself. That never seemed to sort of happen. And. It was, yeah, as I said, I mean, it was like pushing water uphill in the end. And I think his demeanour said it all uh, completely on the touchline and not just on Saturday, but in other games as well. Yeah, very well summed up, guys. And I have to be honest, I've completely and utterly forgotten about the Arsenal game, which means I put it out of my memory because you are uh, both correct. It was an absolutely abysmal 45 minutes of non-football. So I think you're right to call that one, Gareth. That probably was the moment. Um, okay, uh, Milo, <laughs> let's go to where we're going. It's probably as good a place to go as any, right? <laughs> Paratici's got up after that second goal. He's gone to the phone and, you know, let's let's speculate. I know you don't enjoy speculating without facts, but let's speculate for a moment. He's on the blower to his old mate, one Antonio Conte. Um, why don't you give us, uh, you know, your overview or theory on how we've ended up with Conte? It seems a dotted I and a cross T away from being the next manager of Tottenham Hotspur in the next, what, 24 hours. So, so just before we came on this record, I, I saw a headline from somewhere saying that actually what, what uh, Paratici said to Conte was after Nuno was sacked was, will you come this time? So um, you were pretty much kind of word for word quoting what he said without realising it, Steph. So you've really got inside the man's mind. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's certainly true. I think um, my, my suspicion is that they've been in contact since the summer. Um, I've always thought that Nuno was a short-term appointment, and I've, I, I'm certain that we've been looking at um, you know, potential targets to take over uh, probably next summer initially, but um, available more uh, you know, sooner if uh, if things continue to go as they were. Um, I'd be amazed if they hadn't been talking and um, they hadn't um, kind of discuss the possibility of him joining and I think the speed at which this has happened kind of supports that I don't think they would have sacked Nuno without you know most of those details being agreed and uh, kind of the hard bits uh, in place so um, yeah it looks like he's coming in Uh, I think we're all expecting an announcement tonight or early tomorrow the expectation is that he's taking charge on Thursday against Vitesse. Ricky uh, you know he's going to you know walk into the stadium the lodge the club with high expectations and now that the beer taps are open full time again, uh, and now that the stadium is teeming with people, possibly a transfer budget that will match what he wants. Um, does he feel like a good fit for Spurs? I- I'm going to ask you to answer this in two parts. 
short term and well actually let's just stick with short term because he doesn't actually stay in jobs for longer than three years usually so just look at the short term here does he feel like a good fit to you well he's certainly going to be walking into the lodge with um hotspur way should i say with high expectations and he'll be expecting many of our current squad to meet those expectations i think he said in that interview that he expects a uh, commitment and respect and he expects that two ways. Anyone that's falling short of that is, I think he said, killed. Um, I don't think literally. Otherwise, he's a bad fit. Um, I think short term, we're going to need that. We're going to find out about all these players, whether they are capable of almost returning to maybe a similar game plan when it comes to pressing and energy and running that we saw under Poch. Because the last two people have certainly not managed to get that out of them. Um as a good fit, regards. I mean, you, you've got to you've got to think that um, we wouldn't have flown him back over here to meet in a room with Levy, uh, and they're going to dance the same dance. I think if anyone's going to be budging, it's obviously us. I think Conte quite plainly has his own um, requests and his own demands, and I think we're going to be meeting most of them. I'm hoping revenue streams do match, like you say, a bigger kind of. Um, I mean, it's still early days with the revenue streams, but. Um, if Levy is coming forth in that direction, then you expect that he's he's confident in them or unless there's some, you know, amazing change of their way of operating and they're going to do a bit of a kind of cash injection of some type to just boost the coffers. Can I just come in briefly on kind of whether he's a good fit for us playing style wise and that side of it? So, um, you know, he, he typically plays three at the back, so um, three five two or three four three or variations thereof. So we're looking at wing backs there, three centre backs. Um, I think that means that if you, you're looking at the squad currently, our first choice full backs probably work with that, although there might be question marks over whether Royal gives him exactly what he wants. But uh, neither of them have really got um, understudies, you know, deputies who are ready for first team football. So that could potentially be an issue in January. He plays two up top, which Sun and Kane will look really good in, but there's no cover there because Bergwin and Mora can't play those positions. So I think, you know, I think those are probably the priority areas we'll be looking in in January. I've got question marks about whether Bergwin or Mora can fit into this side at all, particularly particularly Mora, um, unless they're converted into fullbacks. I, I don't see where they get get um, get game time. Um, a positive from from Nuno's time. The last few weeks, I think what weeks month, fitness definitely improved, and our pressing has improved considerably. Um, and I think that will uh, suit. Conte, uh, he's coming into a, a side that's that's fitter if, than if he'd joined uh, at the beginning of the summer. Um, Conte will drill his players over and over and over and over and over again in training. Um, he's very, very precise in the moves that he wants players to do during um, during situations in play. Um, he's not looking for players to improvise or to play with intuition. So I think players like Delhi again are going to find it quite difficult because uh, you know he's a street footballer. He's not he's not really someone who who suits that way of play. There's a quote from Hazard um, when he was at Chelsea. He says, "There's a lot of tactics. It's not always nice as a forward as you have to run, defend, and everything. But at, at least at the weekend, you know exactly what you have to do. You can even close your eyes and play." That's good. So I think some of our players are going to suit that. Others, others less so. Um, but it's they're going to it's going to be hard to impl- to implement that mid season. You know, Conte 
typically hasn't started joined clubs mid-season. Try and get that kind of those kind of systems in place mid-season. This season is going to be really difficult. Um, I'm wondering whether he treats Thursday in the Europa Conference games as training games and and plays a full strength side in those in order to try and get that instilled because um, you know he's got the same problem as as others have got um, or Nuno had before in that the players are going to clear off an international duty and he's not going to get time with them to work on that. Well, of course, Gareth, before I come to you, I can just officially announce that Milo is probably cursed this appointment by already to speculating on Thursday's tactics under his first game in charge and we now know that it's not going to happen and that the horrendously oversized head of Brendan Rodgers will probably show up somehow instead I jest of course um, they're all very good points Milo thank you um, but Gareth I, you know do you think that this is all about Paratici finally getting the control that he wanted when he first came in do you think that he is now firmly in the driving seat uh and do you think that he's turned around to Levy, perhaps? And again, speculating, as we have to, when you're flying by the seat of our pants, do you think he might turn around to Levy and said, hey, <laughs> some of that money that was spent going to be spent on the cheese room, you got to give it to me and you got to give it to my guy because this is the guy we need and you need to let me do what I do for a football club. Is this the moment that we're going to see this finally? I'm not sure because, again, thinking back to the chronology in the summer, I'm, I'm not sure at which at what point the club were talking, and I say the club probably leaving, were talking to Conte or were talking to Paratici. I'm, I'm not sure which one actually came came first. But look, Conte is an elite level coach. He is the he's probably the, the most high profile um, elite level coach that is out of work at the moment. Um, I mean, you'd probably put him in the same bracket with um, with with Klopp um, and Guardiola as an in-vogue um, current coach who has won things, well, as little as six months ago, a major title in, in Italy. Um, I, look, he, he probably, he, he's worked with Paratici. I, I think it's a bit of a fallacy to say that they're best mates. I, th- I think they, they're just two people who have worked together and perhaps not fallen out and, you know, and get on reasonably well. For me, the, the question about whether he's the right fit for the club, it's the club very much in this no man's land at the moment that we're trying to become this global brand and to become that global brand there's a certain amount of vanity projects that, that need to go with it and you know in hindsight Mourinho was a vanity project but it was also an indication of where the club was and the status that it had that it could attract uh, someone of that name um, Conte perhaps feels like that as well and I, I think I as a supporter are more comfortable with the club being that challenger brand or that club that there's always that perpetual hope things will get better and you're and you're develop fairly organically and Conte again it feels like it's a big move away from that in the same way that building a big 62,000 stadium is clearly a sign of progress on there but it takes you away from perhaps what you grew up with and that warm fuzzy feeling that maybe Graham Potter would have given us and the the thought that in three or four years time we might be on the same journey that we're on when, when, when Poch came in. But I have to I have to challenge on that because Graham Potter's name has come up an awful lot, and I think we all agree that as a you know, pound for pound as a footballing man, he probably suits everything our football club is about like no other manager that's currently managing. However, as we would also surely agree, if you're Potter, why on earth would you come to a club that is, as you say, in this state of flux? I mean, you know, we are at this point a club that's going to throw the money. You know, it appears finally. Um, but you may not get the time you want to build the side you want. So are we surely like in our perpetual loop that we're in? We're not going to be able to attract a project manager of Potter's uh, calibre, are we? 
I see Milo shaking think, his head in disgust up there at what I'm saying. I don't, we, which I don't really understand why. So um, no, I, I just don't. I don't understand what it's got to do with um, Paratici getting his main uh, the person he wants. Well, because it's we're um, talking about the direct. Okay, well, let me explain. We're talking about the direction. Gareth's talking about the direction between being you know a pro- club that builds a project and that you always hope versus going you know for the instant, which is what we're doing again. I mean that that that's that's my loop. I mean you know at this point in time. No project manager is going to come to us, in my opinion. Yeah, so look, I mean, I think my point is that I it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, um, or uncomfortable. It, it takes me out of my comfort zone as a, as a Spurs fan, as I had been for the best part of thirty years in in what I think the club stands for. Now, in saying that, look, there are plenty of people out there who have been giving you know, all the Enoch out and the the Levy out brigade. Now, this silences them because what the what the club has done, whether it's through Paratici or whether it's through Levy, they put their money where their mouth is. They have got the best available coach who is available at the moment who you know pound for pound is going to cost far more money whether that's in future transfer fees in signing on fees and in salary than it would have cost have got Graham Potter out of Brighton I suspect yeah I think we have to look I mean we look back to the director of football thing I think we thought that was all a favourable move didn't we that we needed that kind of structure put in place whether that moved Levy more away from the processes and even with um, and, and if you think, I mean, even with the offering of uh, Nuno to Levy, um, Levy, uh, I mean, Levy needed convincing, but Levy did say yes. So he gave Paratici the man he wanted. And now this time round, Paratici's come with another man. And, it, and I, to be honest, I think last time, I think Levy maybe got a bit scared off with the numbers, especially with the way things ended with Inter, with um Conti, because obviously that looks like that's kind of half bankrupted them or done whatever. But this time round, it might be Levy's move towards Paratici and agreed with him because he realises we are looking really on the brink of a big downturn. And at the end of the day, although people say Levy makes mistakes, I don't think Levy's making mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes on purpose in the sense because he's just devaluing the product he's got and the value of it. So you don't want to be making mistakes, do you, at the end of the day? So, um, And I think he's letting... Hopefully, let's Paratici get on with it. And I think a combination with that might be a positive combination with Conte because, as you say, they've worked together before and Conte wants a lot of control. But I think we're going to feel a lot better if he's got a lot of control in conjunction with someone that he's worked with before. So there is still, you know, some protection there. It's not like Conte's going to run away and just be a complete madman about everything. Yeah, I mean, sorry, the reason I was shaking my head about the project thing, Steph, is I think really it's Paratici's project. And and also, um, if we're starting a project at this stage of the season, you're pretty much writing off the season. And I think part of the rationale of this um, this move is because top four is there. And, um, you know, the League Cup, we're in the last eight of the League Cup. Um, so I, I think th- I think we find ourselves in a similar position to Chelsea found themselves in last season under Lampard, where they sacked him, they brought in an elite manager and uh, had a fantastic run to the end of the season. And I think that must have been in the back of... Um, uh, back of Levy's mind, uh, probably in the back of Paratici's mind, um, and they must have been thinking: if we move now, we've got a chance of uh, getting something from this season. If we leave it until Christmas, then that that chance might have passed. No, I agree with all of that. I just think it's very important that you know, because a lot of supporters are asking, well, you know, why wouldn't it have been a Potter? Why wouldn't we go for a Potter? And I think it's important that we break down the realities of our current situation, which are that we are a club that right now is built on a model which requires profile and Champions League football. Uh, to, to maintain its quote-unquote brand, as, as Gareth quite rightly said. And, you know, whatever about Nuno's performance, lack of, whatever about the place the club is at, the club is still five points off, f- 
in that fourth Champions League spot with two strikers who have been the best strikers in the Premiership for the last four or five years, having not found their groove. And all it's going to take is for someone to help them find their groove. And you have to assume that Antonio Conte is going to be capable of, at the very least, doing that. So I think it's important to uh, somewhat detail that. Uh, let me put uh, a final question, if I can, to you before we do a, you know, do a wrap-up of, of the whole, you know, not just the week that was, I'd say the 24 hours that's been. Um, let me put to, to all of you, is this Daniel Levy's last chance saloon? He now has nowhere to go other than to fully back his sp- director of football and by proxy his manager. Um, it can be said that at times he has not done that, albeit maybe unwittingly, maybe it's a personality thing. As you said, Ricky, he's not going to do it for spite. He's not going to do it because he wants to devalue his product. It's just been the way he is. But, you know, is this it? Because the public knows that he hasn't always given his previous employers, his previous employees, what they've needed. Now he has to. He really has to. And there are no excuses because even though the revenue stream is still catching up, you can see it's there. So guys, am I right? Or am I, you know, flying by the seat of my pants a little too far and fast there? Milo, why don't you start? Yeah, so so your starting point is it the is this um, kind of Levy's last chance? No, I don't think it is. You know, he's part owner of the club. Uh, he can do what he wants uh, until someone else comes in and buys it. Then um, he's there, and he's not. You know, the club's always been for sale. It's just it's got to be you know it's for sale at his price. So I don't think any of that changes. I think if this doesn't work, um, then you know they appoint someone else and carry on as before. I just don't see that changing, no matter how much um, you know people you know complain or uh, protest against that. You know he, he's he's out of this club when someone hands him three and a half billion pounds. Yeah, I think, I mean, if, I don't think it's his last chance either, but I mean, realistically, um, even if it goes well, Conte might only be here this season and the next season. So, um, and, and the other slight worry is, I mean, Conte is a bit of a hand grenade, isn't he, at the end of the day? And I'm not sure whether, you know, it's going to be like the big bang at the start of the universe and we're going to create a beautiful club somewhere along the line or whether it's just going to blow us into a thousand bits who knows and that's you know we all like certainty in our life and Conte doesn't make me feel that certain about anything it could go either way um as I said I think I said the other day I think this is the final act for Levy in the sense of he's built the infrastructure he's built his plan it's his grand plan this is his final act and he's still got a bit more time on that final act if he says all the money's going to go into the club he's got two or three four years to prove that and we will then know even the people that support him will then know whether to doubt him or not um whether Conte's going to be interesting for him that's for sure you know what I mean it's going to be spectacular so and it as you say Steph it does give Levy a chance to quite early in this final act to look like whether he's going to front the money back his man because Conte as he said if you lie to me I'm going to call you out on it I'm going to be gone so yeah you both said it already Daniel Levy's completely omnipotent isn't he 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 makes the decision to he's the part owner of the club no one's going to sack him from it he's made he's made worse decisions he's made created bigger messes in the past you think getting rid of um, Yole and bringing in Ramos and um, you know the AVB Sherwood debacle as well getting rid of Pochettino and bringing in uh, anyway 
<laughs> yeah, look, over the course of 20 years, I, I think I think we are all in agreement, really, that Enoch, for every, you know, there's been two or three steps forward and then one sideways step and one step backwards, and that's ended up in a bit of a cycle. So, you know, in 50 years' time, I th- history will judge Daniel Levy well at the club. It's just that in this, emo- in this immediate moment, um, that doesn't feel the case. Right. OK. We could sit probably for another hour debating what's going to happen with Antonio Conte, providing he signs on the dotted line tonight, as we all expect. Um, but, you know, in the interests of, of everyone, let's just bring this to a close. Um, I've, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, let's all each sign off with a, with a final statement here. I'm going to sign off uh, with something about Nuno. You know, I, I, I wish him all the best. I really do. His dignity under pressure is something I'll always appreciate. Um, and as I said earlier in this emergency pod, his complete and utter ability to avoid throwing anyone under the bus um, at a time where I think there are a few that could have been thrown uh, is, is admirable. And for me, if nothing else, he took the sting out of a horrendously toxic situation when he first came in. And he will he will always have my personal gratitude for that. Um, and look, again, I think I, I felt that he was, by the end, it was clear that he was in the wrong job for him. So, Nuno, I hope you find the right job and I hope you get to play the system that you like to play at Wolves again and, and good luck and thank you for everything you did. And uh, Mr Conti, if indeed you are coming in, I can't lie, I'm actually, I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of excited because, yes, he's a hothead, but by crikey, he's a suave one, isn't he? He does it with style. He really does. He looks good doing it. So, anyway, that's my thought. Um, why don't each of you sign off with a, with a final thought here? Um, yeah, I mean, Nuno, Nuno is a good human being and you want good things to happen to good human beings. And I just hope that Nuno just, he just needs to frame it. It's 120 days of his life and he can now just, you know, he can clear out his locker and go back to his family and take that rest that I think he needed really and put, you know, put us in the rear view mirror from his point of view. And he'll come again. I'm sure he'll get another job because he's a good manager. Um, as for Contown, just, well, a bit like you, Steph, I think, well, I'll just say let's hope he comes because otherwise we're going to be back here tomorrow probably talking about someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I've seen you more than the Mrs. Ricky at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, that's why she's probably walking around yelling wanker chat, wanker chat, wanker chat. <laughs> uh, great anger yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Milo? Um, yeah, I would say echo all of that. I, I think it's um, kind of ironic that Nuno's last act as um, Spurs manager was to keep Ollie in a job and um, Harold, you know, take Conte from their grasp and bring him to Spurs, and you know, ultimately that could end, that could end up costing them top four. So I saw a United fan on Twitter to say, "Say we won on Saturday, and it already feels like we lost." <laughs> Brilliant, love it, <laughs> Gareth. The final word tonight. Uh, I think the one thing that that Luna will leave me here, I remember when he got the Manager of the Month award and he's very, very humble, as you'd expect. And he he said, I'm just here to help. And, you know, God bless him. He he was here to help. Um, I think, again, history will judge him. He'll be in the same bracket as Jack Santini, won't he? He'll be remembered. He'll be a bit of a quiz question in 20 years' time, I think. Indeed. Uh, there's many quizzical elements of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Uh, it's a magical mystery tour uh, written with not the finesse that the Beatles uh, went on theirs, I might say. But nonetheless, it is exciting. We can't deny that. And here's to, um, well, if not a more stable season ahead, maybe a more exciting one, right? 
Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming together for this. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with our regular weekly episode where we will discuss the Manchester United debacle uh, and our win against Burnley in the League Cup. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow. Say hello. If you really like The Game Is About Glory, we'd appreciate it if you could tell your friends on social media and message boards and, you know, pen us a review. So we'll see you in a couple of days, right? Tatty bye.